Action for pulmonary fibrosis was formed in 2013 um, okay. by a, a small and ambitious group of patients and carers. Uh, uh-huh. Two uh, leading institutional lung disease doctors, one of which treated me, and I attribute the work that he did with me as, as saving my life, and, and a registered nurse. That's all it was at the time. Uh, oh, wow. The result is a charity that puts patients first, we're patient led, and and also their families, because it's as I mentioned earlier, is everybody who's living with the disease. That would be the patient, uh, loved one, uh, care uh, partners, loved ones, children, grandchildren. Everybody's touched by the disease. Um, so that's at the heart of everything we do. Um, this unique uh, connection uh, drives everything that we, we, we've achieved already and what we hope to achieve in the future. Um, obviously, 10 years ago, we talk about times changing, uh, knowledge of the disease uh, amongst health, healthcare professionals, uh, it was quite patchy. My GP put it down to what I ate in the early days. Um, Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I made the mistake of telling that I like the odd curry and a pint. And he said, well, <laughs> Who doesn't, right? That's, the, that's, the, that's why you're coughing all the time. Um, there, there were very few specialist doctors or nurses then, um, and patients only had limited access to, to pulmonary rehab, which obviously utilises the, the oxygen that they, they have in their body more efficiently. Um, and there was very little research going on into causes or treatments. Um, again, when, when I was involved, uh, I say 2008 or thereabouts, there were no effective drug therapies uh, and only a handful of specialist hospitals. Um, there were also very little support groups either online or around the country. Um, couldn't find any printed material or or anything online for families that was useful. Um, people, you know, I mean, I did is when you, when you get the, the, uh, the information from the doctors, you go on to Dr. Google. And again, yeah. as I said earlier on, the first thing that jumps up is you've got three to five years to live. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So we touched a wee bit on your story and I've got some questions I want to ask, but, what, what, so, so you went to the doctor. They said it was because of curry and beer, um, and then, and then, kind of, what what happened after that? T- tell us a bit about the story. Well, um, I used to describe it. I was misdiagnosed, but having worked for the charity now um, for two years, I've learned that I was I was diagnosed with the information that they had at the time. Um, so, yes, my my doctor said stop eating what you're eating um but i went for a, a, a chest x-ray and it came back and uh the, the, the gp said there's there's something on the image that we're a bit concerned about um so i went to the hospital and they told me it wasn't cancer which of course was was good news then but um you learn after a while that um you know the, the disease i had uh, kills more people than leukemia, so a year. Um, so yeah, so then he started a long journey of these diagnoses. Um, I was sent for a, uh, 
what's called a VATS biopsy, which is a video-assisted thoroscopic surgery. And basically they put a camera in through the side and a couple of other implements and they take a piece of the lung and analyze it. And uh, that led to two different diagnoses over the, la- over the following couple of years. Um, eventually I got to 2012, rather, 2012, and the consultants of the hospital said, Are you, you know, you're, your lung disease, your, your, your lung functions are, are, are declining. Um, but there's not much more we can do. We'll see you in 12 months time. Well, I have a, I have a, a motto that I've had for, for many years, which is never give up. That's because I used mm-hmm. to play sports, a lot of sports and I would never give up. And I adopted that in my, my personal life. So as I mentioned earlier on, I went to see this doctor, Gisley Jenkins in, in Nottingham. And uh, he carried out further tests and uh, came up with a definitive diagnosis. Um, and that was pulmonary fibrosis. Um, and that was when in 2013, we knew that within three to five years, I, I would need a, a lung transplant if I was, I was going to survive. Okay. Okay. What happened after that then? Well, it got it, it got progressively worse, um, which was which was inevitable. We tried uh, several things to try and slow down the progression. Um, at the time, there were there were two drugs that were available, but because I didn't have the right sort of pulmonary fibrosis, I wasn't I wasn't eligible for the the drugs. Um, you had to have a specific type of pulmonary fibrosis. Um, which was a bit tough, really, because I, I, there was drug, there were drugs on the market that were available that could potentially slow down the progression of my disease, d- disease and uh, extend my life, and I didn't qualify, and that's that's tough. So, um, Gisley said because of the the way that my my d- disease presented is that there was anecdotal evidence that um, chemotherapy could slow down the progression of the disease. And I says, well, let's do that. Never give up. Let's, let's try that then. And again, because it was uh, quite controversial and nothing had been proven, um, we had problems explaining that to the people who were going to carry out the chemotherapy. So that took another 18 months to get sorted. And... Uh, it was to and fro in between Nottingham and Birmingham. Eventually, I had the chemotherapy in, in 2014. And we believe to that day that that extended my life for a couple of years, which got me to the, the transplant. But after that, 2015, I'd go back and, and, the, and, and every time I did the lung function tests, um, it was going down. And that's pretty much what every person who has pulmonary fibrosis is facing. You go back. You're happy if the lung function tests haven't haven't dropped dramatically, um, but the, the, the inevitably they're going downwards. 